we're also recording on this side. Bam. Bam. Uh, <laughs> Surprise, everyone. Skinner's with us. Skinner's with us, and we're recording part three of uh, Fleetwood Mac. Tell to, me lies. Tell, tell me sweet, sweet little, little lies. Uh, to, this will be the end of our, uh, our first season, which is so bittersweet. <laughs> so, uh, welcome to the Shaw Soldier Pod. That, that, that. Welcome to the soft welcome shoulder. To, <laughs> welcome to the soft shoulder podcast. Uh, oh. I'm Alex, uh, the ledge, Curry, <laughs> and I'm a shoe from Saskatoon. I'll have a Singapore sling, please. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I mean, I'm Stacy Sproul, and I'm again. I'm not gonna choose a middle name. There's too many songs. There are Sarah? too many songs. I don't know. <laughs> I would go for sisters. Sisters of the Moon. Sisters of the Moon. Not even what we're talking about today. Yeah. No. <laughs> so I'll and turn with... in. If I'll do okay. uh, O. Diane Skinner. Because it's Perfect. just, oh, we'll talk yeah. about O. Diane. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Will we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so basically today we're talking about uh, everything post uh, Tusk. So I guess from what, 1978 on? Pretty much, right? yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we're going, we're doing this backwards style. If everybody actually wants to know, we're going to have a little peek behind the curtain. So uh, <laughs> we're going, we're going most recent Fleetwood Mac to the beginning backwards, but we're going to release them forwards. Are we? I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Am I going to have mine done in time? <laughs> this is a quantum leap situation. Oh boy! Can't wait. <laughs> oh, no. We do what we want. When we want. Any, anyone have a time machine I can borrow? <laughs> or a Scott We're Bacula? Good. Yeah, or a Scott Bacula. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode, uh, yeah, Skinner took the helm on. So, uh, yeah, Skinner, take it away. Tell us what Fleetwood Mac are up to post-1978. Gotcha. Well, thanks so much, Alex, for your contribution and bringing us up to approximately 1979-ish. Of course, um, it was incredible. Oh I did God. such a good <laughs> job. It was amazing. So I, I mean, huge <laughs> shoes to fill. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so after the Tusk tour, which was very extensive and took up uh, much of 1979, our good pals at Fleetwood Mac would do something that they will do many more times and uh, release a live and or compilation slash greatest hits album. So we have released on December 8th of 1980 was the album called Live. Um, We'll fill in some more blanks about some of this time period as well as time goes on. But uh, just a precursor that they become very comfortable with the one-off sort of compilation greatest hits live album just peppered in throughout uh their That's entire fair. catalog which makes That's sense fair. because they're legends at this point already you know of at, course at which is it's wild because they're so young at this point also we're doing the uh we're keeping on trend with having the such a great name for a live album live oh live. hold up oh soft shoulder is now featuring carol arm <laughs> oh <laughs> Because we have the windows open because it is hot. (laughs) Someone at the grocery store is getting broken into. Yeah, man. Oh, Oh. no, my phone. Oh, God. It's also featuring Natalie Curry. Should we put her live on air? (laughs) I don't see why not. All right. This is Alex's brother. Hey, Natalie Curry. You're live on air with uh, the Soft Shoulder Podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. 
How are you? I'm good, man. I'm just here with Stacy and Skinner. We're Hi, Matt. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so we're uh, we're talking about Fleetwood Mac. What's your favorite Fleetwood Mac song? Post Tusk. Tusk. That's a hard question. Am I on the line? Yeah, you are. Do you want to call a friend? <laughs> it's uh, is it? Tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. It should be. Or. Um, I want to be with you everywhere. <laughs> Is it that song? I think it's Dream. That's pre-Tusk. No, yeah, that's you fail. Rumors. So what's up, Nat? Pre-Tusk. Yeah, that's on uh, Rumors, dude. Oh, Tusk. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I do know that one song from Tusk. Oh, uh, Sisters of the Moon? Yeah. Yeah. The only song I it's a jam. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. That's fair. That's fair. What's up? Uh, is this important? Uh, no. Just wanted to know if you wanted to get together with Cousin Holly on Canada Day weekend. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> I am 100% in for getting together with Cousin Holly on Canada Day weekend. Great. Okay, I think we have to pick her up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. So okay. Let's talk about this tomorrow. Okay. Okay, bye, Nat. Bye, Nat. See ya. Bye. See ya. <laughs> okay. That's not getting cut out. <laughs> okay. Why not? It's a cameo okay. after all, right? All right. All exactly. Right. Impromptu. Like, cameo, like, word up. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that song. I sing that cameo song in the style of Steve Krell in 40-Year-Old Virgin when he's creeping around his apartment doing that. And for some reason, it cracks up my brother-in-law like he can't take it when i when i do that impression. I, love it. Um, I love it also have you ever heard corn's cover of word up i have no it's so <laughs> worth it honestly no every... it's not oh no it's oh it totally is no way uh, about once a year or so i'll remember that it exists and i'll listen oh to it for like a day continuously and just like get it out of my system and enjoy it and then i'll move on so i'm gonna put that on my calendar for tomorrow because I, I don't think i've done that yet this year <laughs> have a, a corn cameo cover day so there you go perfect wow. get your best oh man there's this there's a hat out there that i want to get so bad that it's it's the the, the word just corn c-o-r-n but <laughs> but like in the corn font with like the backwards wanna... r and all <laughs> oh yeah but just c-o-r-n instead of k-o-r-n all right fleetwood okay, mac okay no pretty good corn. yes no we're all set um gotcha so 1980, basically, all they really were putting out that year was that live album. Um, again, after that, like, pretty lengthy tour for Tusk, which was uh, 11 months, and it was a complete world tour. They went to uh, North America, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Japan, France, all over um the EU and all that good stuff. And they actually shared some dates with Bob Marley because he was still doing his thing at that point. So yeah. uh, big, big tour for them, put the live album out. And then in 1981, they actually took a bit of a break and that led to um, a bunch of sol solo albums coming out. So this is when we oh. have um, basically an, a, an agreed um, hiatus for, um, Stevie Nicks to put out the Belladonna album, yeah. Um, yeah. which obviously has, you know, those big hits like Edge of Seventeen, um, the really 
nice duet that she did with Tom Petty, Stop Dragging My Heart Around. I love that one. it's it's classic um the album's just great like legit yeah. it really is um and i love um <laughs> the song that she did with don henley as well leather and lace um, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> she loves a, a, a duet so she does love a duet yeah. she does, she does. Um, they were a couple too for a while oh yeah, i think so yeah yeah like that makes uh, sense yeah, like on the last episode when i mentioned that uh the song sarah from tusk is actually about mm-hmm. a uh yeah, well, you, you can hear it in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> I might have a mention of that later on as well, oh, um, just to, to, to close the loop on that, of course. Um, of course. So uh, Mick Fleetwood actually also put out a solo album called The Visitor that year, and um, we also saw Lindsey Buckingham uh, put the album Law and Order out uh, in 1981 as well. So. Um, <laughs> exactly <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um, that album is great like it's so off the wall is it i, I don't know think i've ever listened it's just to an album. offside album you're just yeah. like what are you doing dude yeah, like, yeah. i yeah, didn't it's great i, I, I like didn't it a uh i didn't investigate that one too much but um oh, you, you should never say <laughs> never right for sure um you That was pretty much 1981 for our friends in Fleetwood Mac. And then about halfway through 1982, uh, June 18th, to be exact, is when they released um, their 13th studio album, Mirage. Love it. Um, which It's okay. Uh, I like that album. It's okay. Oh I'll God. rave about it all day long. I know, um, right? there's... It's okay. Yeah, so Mirage um, was recorded at a chateau, something French, in France, uh, by producer Richard Duchat. Dashat. So you know fancy. who I'm talking about. Yeah, he um, did uh, Tuscan Rumors as well. Yes, so he it looks like he has um, a partnership with the band through a number of albums, and um, he's looks like he's their go-to um especially around this era um for sure with mirage you'll see there's a number of singles um there's a number of songs that are going back to that sort of catchy poppy sort of formula because i guess with the blowback of tusk uh and the sort of critical letdown of that album um the band wanted to take mirage as an opportunity to go back into making some hits and kind of recreate that magic that they had with rumors. Um, I know that Tusk was, I mean, it, it, it spawned a very successful tour. And I think the, the fans enjoyed the fact that, you know, Lindsay kind of was able to take the reins in terms of the experimental um, avenue and definitely had a lot of fun making the album, but in terms of, 
you know, the critics' reaction to it, it clearly wasn't everything that they were hoping for. So um, with Mirage, they, they wanted to try to reverse that a little bit. And it worked out for them because that album went certified double platinum in the U.S. It did? Um, it did uh, oh. on the back of some pretty familiar singles um, like Hold Me. Yeah. Which um, went to number four on the U.S. Billboard chart. And that's one that I really love because I do, I love, I love Christine McVie songs. I, I, I typically gravitate too. towards those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, uh, like all her songs on the, on, um, on Rumors are the best songs, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are. I mean, <laughs> I don't really need to hear Dreams ever again, honestly. Yeah, but I'm not going to put Oh Daddy over Dreams. Well, oh Daddy, no. Oh, Daddy. But Songbird, I love. Songbird is fucking fantastic. It's the best song on that album. Fight me. <laughs> I don't think it is. Not Fight me. me. <laughs> um, Alex said earlier that he doesn't remember Hold Me, though. Yeah, I don't. I probably so, do as soon as you put it on. So I'm going to put it on. Blast on. it. Do it. Make sure I'm uh, sharing my audio for y'all. Share sound. Here we go. Is it also going to share my desktop? Oh, I guess it is. So you have to look at my weird desktop. <laughs> That's what I did to my friend the other day when we recorded that Our Lady Peace episode. Here it is. Familiar? Turn it up a tiny bit. We're all the way. No, I've never heard what? this song in my really? life. Really? This is like no. parents slow dancing, but like half like boogieing. And it's got no. like a nice little Lindsay in there too. There it is. Yeah. Yeah, he's killing it. You got to get to the chorus though. Cause yeah, I might know it at the chorus. I definitely, Skinner, was telling Alex that I um, was on hold and I heard this song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're there, that cowbell, okay. that cowbell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a jam. Yeah, exactly. Totally. So that was one of the singles off of uh, Mirage, and then Gypsy, um, which is another one that I'm sure folks might know. Um, it was a Stevie single, and that one went up to number twelve on the U.S. pop chart. So that one was fairly popular as well. Which is a song I love, but I'm just like, I wish it didn't have a slur for the name. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, I mean, a lot of songs called that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a different time, I guess. I guess. It comes <laughs> up sure. all the time, though. You're just like, hmm. Yeah. Should we play a second of it? Sure. Um, it is a good song. I actually though. really love the beginning. I love John McBee's bass so yeah. much. Like, it's always just, like, he's the star of the band, in my opinion. For sure. Musically. Yeah. Actually, well, no, just everybody. The McVees are, are holding it together, though. Yeah, for sure. Oh, come on. Well, you know, yeah. we know. We know it. We know Gypsy. <laughs> it's a good jam. Um, and one of the things that I um, shared with you both the other week 
um, that outro on Gypsy, which is um, heavily, is it staccato? Is that the, the, the method? Yeah, staccato. Gotcha. Um, the guitar, which, you know, obviously you've heard the song, you've, you've heard that outro, and I had to consult my lifeline for all things guitar and um, ask my father, Bill Skinner. Um, Bill. <laughs> yeah, so he just confirmed that that, I guess, to get that effect, because it is pretty striking um, and unique in that in that song, um, he's, he said they utilized a lot of hammer-ons and pull-offs with the staccato as well so um that that's kind of how um that outro is formulated and i think that it sounds great um that's one of the pieces i think because gypsy is kind of i mean it is a single it's it's super catchy but i think that that outro kind of just like sets it apart a little bit um just it's a little bit creative there as opposed to like your typical you know verse chorus sort of formula for for singles yeah Um, yeah but uh yeah there's i have a couple other notes in terms of like specific songs on this album um that are it's funny because when i first listened to the album i was like okay yeah no i like the singles and everything else is just okay and then i listened to it again and my thoughts changed of course and yeah. one of the one of the things that i listened to is a song called that's all right um which i have a note saying it's just straight up country it's a it's a song yeah. that Phoebe sings and initially I was like ah but this is so country and then I realized duh it's Fleetwood Mac like this kind of makes sense Totally. Well, that's what she was trained for as a kid, eh? It was to be a country singer. A country singer, yeah. I mean, and it makes sense, too, because they're, you know, between her and Lindsay kind of being that American piece to the British counterparts, it makes sense that they would have, you know, more of a background and their contributions would have more of that sort of, you know, flair to it. For sure. Um, So, two other notes. Um, It's called Straight Back. That's my new favorite Fleetwood Mac song. Oh. Whoa, we have to play that. All right, let's Obviously. Play okay. Super funky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is some wild panning. <laughs> That organ, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I love Stevie and uh, Christine's voice together so much. Yeah. yeah. It's perfect. Oh, yeah. I like that little dream. <laughs> All right, cool. Cool, that's cool. super yeah. cool. Yeah. I like I like that one because I think it sounds like they're still in the 70s, but it works 
um and it's incorporating like you were saying like with the organ and just i think that it's just produced and um you know mixed quite well um so that was like a nice little surprise because i that far and away is kind of like my favorite um jam right now um i think this most of this album too like it is kind of surprising that it's a i mean i guess it's an early 80s album but like it does feel like a lot more of the songs are kind of like a throwback on it Mm -hmm. than than being explicitly sort of like 80s production or you know sound or anything the other the other one that i had to mention is and i didn't realize this until i read more about the album it was released as a single for some reason that i do not understand uh the song oh diane that Um, song sucks (laughs) it really does why would they release it it? why would they put it as a single i don't get it I don't know. Maybe because Lindsay was like, no, it's a good song. He, well, it's, it's like, you know, one of the few songs, I guess, on the album in which he's singing lead. But man, what what are they doing? I know. It's an embarrassing song. I was walking around because I was listening to this album while I was like doing a million other things. And I had my headphones in and I was downstairs and I was just like, what is what is happening? Am I still listening to the same album? <laughs> like, what is happening here? <laughs> Obviously, I recognized his voice, but it was just it's. A big old pile of shit. It is. <laughs> That's my my notes state. Uh, this is Lindsay's poor attempt at being Roy Orbison uh, <laughs> vocally with run of the mill guitars. It's just a little weird. So that's how I yeah, sing it, that it one. Almost- <laughs> It almost sounds like, uh, you know, when artists are kind of like doing like a 50s throwback thing. Yes. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> the okay. entire genre of rockabilly. Sorry, Rockabilly. Oh. <laughs> even Psychobilly. I yes, do like Psychobilly, but you know. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm. A, I guess I'm lukewarm on it. I like the cramps. I've seen Reverend Horton Heat too many times for someone who does not like um, Rockabilly or Psychobilly or anything. You talk about me bringing up Our Lady Peace too much. You bring up Reverend Horton Heat. I love talking lot. about Reverend Horton Heat. Now this I don't is like the first them. I've heard of your Reverend Horton Heat. Um, <laughs> I guess not. You're not really a fan, right? <laughs> no, Skinner. I've seen them twice. Okay. Why? <laughs> it was mostly because a like a shitty ex boyfriend I had. His dad. It was his dad's favorite band, so he mm-hmm. would always buy us all tickets to go see. Okay, like, so one time it was Reverend Horton Heat and uh, fucking Motorhead. Oh, oh wow! I'd kill to see Motorhead. Yeah. I did not like it. I'm not the kind of person who is at a Motorhead show, TBH. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I just didn't really want to be there. Fair, I would have. I could see that. I would have gone just to geek out over Motorhead's drummer, who was Mickey D. Who he's Swedish. He played on like all the best uh, King Diamond albums. So I would okay. have gone for that and been super okay. stoked for that, but that's pretty fucking obscure. So you yeah. never. I would never. have been really, really excited just to say that I was in the same room as somebody that played in Hawkwind. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> there was some other band that opened too that was also like. Was it Corn? No, it wasn't Corn. Was it Cameo? Something to do with truckers. <laughs> Of course it was not Cameo. I would have lost my fucking shit. I love Cameo. Was it the TLC show Ice Road Truckers? <laughs> it wasn't the TLC show Ice Road Truckers. Okay, I don't know who it was. I don't know. I don't know. doesn't matter. Cool, okay. All right. Uh, oh, do you want, Diane. <laughs> do you want to hear a little bit of Oh, Diane? I mean, that's mm-hmm. up to you. I'll play a little bit of okay. it. Okay. See, already you hate it, right? <laughs> oh, no. Here I go. 
<laughs> you know what this reminds and me of? <laughs> you know, in Twin Peaks, when James sings that song, I hate it so much <laughs> for no <laughs> reason. Do. Yeah, I know. Yeah, just like you. <laughs> it's that song together, and he sings it in that voice. Yeah, forever <laughs> in love. And you're like, why? Why? It, it made me hate James as a character, yeah, as you, an actor, you and really as a hate, person. You really hate James for that reason. <laughs> but Maddie was in that scene, who is one of my favorite quirks of that whole show. Yeah, I mean, the Maddie character is pretty... Are you a Twin Peaks fan, Skinner? I am, but I haven't watched... I basically watched the whole series all the way through probably 10 years ago, and I haven't uh. watched it again since. Absolutely love it. Have the soundtrack on vinyl, all that good stuff, but haven't watched it again. It's it's worth going back into. Did you watch The Return? No. Uh, the Return was wiggity-whack. Yeah. I was skeptical, it, as you probably should be. Yeah. yeah, you should watch it, but it's like it's like probably the most challenging thing I've ever watched. Yeah, like, oh for sure. I just like it. It tried my patience. I remember the the year that it came out, and Crawdaddy and I were like, "Well, we have to watch <laughs> it. And we have to watch each episode as it comes out." Same. And then it got to the point where like it was a chore. Yeah. We were like, "Yeah, oh, it's a, it's Sunday night or whenever it came on." And we we're like. Oh, Yes, we gotta watch it. And he's like, "Do we have to?" And I was like, "We have to." <laughs> oh, but it's all worth it. For, there's, there, it's, it is really good. Yeah, it is good. Yeah, yeah. even just for nostalgia's sakes, like the feeling that I had watching New Twin Peaks on television for the first time on that first episode, I was right. elated. Yeah, I was like, that was, yeah, yeah, pretty fun experience. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, this is not a Twin Peaks podcast. <laughs> This is the Fleetwood Mac podcast. I guess. <laughs> yeah, for now. <laughs> what else do you want to tell us about, Skinner? Um, in terms of the Mirage album, that's pretty much everything that I had. Um, oh, I should say, for Mirage, uh, they I guess they got real sick of touring because of Tusk, and they just did a very limited, like, 18-date U.S tour to support mirage um including one festival headlining date that in 1982 they got paid five hundred thousand dollars for one festival performance and i think like the equivalent today was something like one and a half million dollars or something Um, amazing yeah so yeah they uh they were i guess smart business folks uh, in 82. Um, I guess they didn't have one of those uh, managers or whatever that was just siphoning off money like Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in 1983, um, we saw the Wild Heart album um, that Stevie Nicks put out. Don't yeah, the- you love, though? Can I just, I'm just looking at Stevie Nicks album covers. Like, mm-hmm. um, whoever did the art direction on like the Wild Heart and Belladonna, I'm like, I just, I love them. Yeah, love they're them. great. Just she was kind of overlapping with Kate Bush at that point. And Hart. Oh. Yeah, very much. Oh, can man. we can we have a Kate Bush episode, pretty effing please, y'all? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a hundred percent behind that. I okay. Mean, I found out that I don't remember if I said this on the podcast. I found out that Crawdaddy did not know who Kate Bush was, <gasps> and I was like, I was like, 
seriously considering, should I just leave him right now? Oh, no. Wait, where are we at with Fleetwood Mac? We are um, on, we're past Mirage. <laughs> we are, yeah, sorry. Um, so, yeah, so we're at, in um, 1983, we saw basically another one-off year for everyone to collectively do their own thing. So yeah. um, just, you know, kind of taking the year to, to pursue more solo efforts and um yes so wild heart 1983 which includes the song stand back which i have to interject because my husband actually told me that he would like me to share the story so evie <laughs> nicks saved yeah. my husband's life <gasps> oh on. my god does he have a nickname uh oh um no just maddie he's just okay. matt all right um, perfect love it so <laughs> Uh, 19, so it came out in 1983 um, in the summer. Exactly perfect. So he was two years old at this time. Okay. Um, and his parents had a pool in their backyard. And um, his sister, who at the time, so if he's two, she's about 10, I guess. Yeah. Um, she was supposed to be watching him while their mom went to the grocery store. So their neighbor or their backyard connected with one of his sister's friend's yard. So she popped over into the other backyard for a time and Maddie was by himself, I guess, in the backyard. So uh, as his mom's just about ready to walk out the door to go to the grocery store, the radio was playing and I guess Stand Back had just come out that summer and was a huge hit. Um, And she immediately froze and was like oh wait no this is like this awesome new song i'll I'll go as soon as this is over so she turned around and walked over to the stereo to to turn it up because she was just going to listen to the song before she left and when she did that she looked out the window into the backyard and she saw splashing and tiny (gasps) arms flailing in the pool no oh no my god maddie no Matt, matt had uh made his way up the ladder and everything and i guess they had like a little fence around it he got through all of that just jumped himself right in the pool oh god Um, no so he was so she so obviously his mom books it out the back door was able to you know pull him out of the pool and then his dad actually just arrived home at that precise time as well and i guess it was the kind of thing where he had swallowed water and he wasn't really breathing um so they had to smack like his back in order to get him to try to like spit out the water he had swallowed and everything and Uh. um so they did and it was fine um and he was okay and the only thing i think that he had to do um recovery wise after that was he did have to go to um speech therapy because he did have like some lasting um i guess like auditory um and and speech uh effects from it right okay other, other than that i mean he's brilliant dude he's excellent at hockey he's a great cat and dog dad uh Aww. he's my life and world so um thank, thanks stevie nicks for saving my husband <laughs> i know i'm not supposed to get emotional like that's not, that's not my style um i i have a crush on maddie <laughs> oh, oh, yeah watch out al single so <laughs> yeah i am this is i yeah man i got my second shot shot boy summer summer waxed and waxed we got we got a jolene situation going on here it's definitely a jolene situation i kind of have auburn hair Okay. Not really. It's mostly gray now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
anyways, I'll I'll make this a mission for season two. Oh, okay. Right. Al's trying to court Maddie. Yeah. What about Crawdaddy? You over Crawdaddy? Nah. <laughs> oh. Thruples well, are a thing, right? Am I pronouncing that correctly? I don't know. Thruples? Thruple. Y'all can just oh, thruple. hang out uh, together. No, I don't not? want Stacy there. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with I'll deal with Crawdaddy. <laughs> I was I was comparing Stacy earlier to, to to a hag. <gasps> wow. No, in, no, no. I like it in a okay. in a good way. Okay. Yeah. And, I, and then I was like, yeah, like a colorful swamp hag, right? Yeah. And then I was like, yeah. And I, it was all good. I like owning the term hag. Um, yeah. There's the Poog podcast with Kate Berlant and Jacqueline Novak, um, in which they describe themselves as hags in each of the episode descriptions, which I appreciate a lot. Um, I Perfect. Like, I like to think about taking that term back. Um, yeah. Being we hags, were... being right. goblins, being, yeah. you know. Yeah, I like goblin. Yeah. Yeah, I call people goblins often. <laughs> often. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I call my daughter the devil, usually. I mean, wow. yeah. she's kind of a little monster. <laughs> <laughs> Skitter, she showed up at my house last night not wearing any pants. <laughs> I mean, it's the summer, right? You make exactly. your own mold, you do what you yeah. want. Right? Exactly. Covered in sticks, no pants, wearing her shirt backwards, drinking a slushy, jumping on everybody. Yep. And then sugar meltdown. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, that ends badly. Oh no. Do you know what we're really good at on the Soft Shoulder podcast? Not talking about the tangents. Keeping on track. Yeah. yeah. Right? So oh, my goodness. Solo records. 83. Solo records out in 83. Uh, and then another one in 84. Uh, Lindsey Buckingham released an album called Go Insane. Uh, and Christine... also okay. insane no, it's just i love i yeah, anyways oh great <laughs> i need to do a retrospective deep dive into lindsey buckingham solo material apparently because i didn't really do that this time around but oh yeah if alex says it's worth it I, i'll believe that yeah he's a goblin i'll put he's it that a goblin. One. okay great <laughs> he's um, definitely a goblin <laughs> so yeah so that was 1984 he put out uh go goblin insane um <laughs> and then christine mcvee actually put out a, a self-titled album as well that year um this is going to be followed by uh rock a little in 1985 which um was a solo album by stevie nicks so they really oh. they took a few years actually yeah. um in between albums to to put out a bunch of solo material and um i guess this kind of brought out a time period of uh some unfortunate uh, reactions or circumstances for the band. Um, during this time, Mick Fleetwood filed for bankruptcy somehow. Oh, shit. Um, Stevie Nicks was admitted to the Betty Ford Clinic for addiction problems. Oh. For the first time. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and there's obviously some songs to correspond with that. Um, and John McVie actually suffered an addiction-related seizure um, all of these unfortunate things are basically attributed to their excessive lifestyle that they were living for many years at this point on the back of their great success um, as a band and touring and essentially, you know, rock and roll excess and all that sort of thing. So um, 
they were kind of at a really low point in the mid to going into the late 80s. Um, and there were rumors that they were actually going to call it quits and just disband. And uh, I guess Lindsey Buckingham did an interview uh, prior to their next album, basically saying um, he would be very unhappy if Mirage was their last effort as an album. <laughs> so he was going to try to make sure that that didn't happen. Oh, boy. And he did. He accomplished it. That's right. Because in April of 1987, we have Tango in the Night being released. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this one um, saw Lindsey Buckingham stepping up to co-produce with um, their pal Richard, who had been you know, producing several of their records in the past. Um, and one thing that I thought was kind of interesting, and it brought me back to a moment that um, we discussed on the Genesis episode um, many moons ago, I guess oh, yes. Lindsay Buckingham had been doing the same kind of thing, I guess, that Phil Collins was doing when Phil Collins' solo career started, um, basically just writing a bunch of songs, and then that material ended up becoming songs for Fleetwood Mac just like with Genesis we saw you know Phil Collins writing songs like Misunderstanding that were initially supposed to be for his solo albums but ended up being on Genesis album Duke so um that was something that happened with Tango in the Night for sure and then we'll see that again but um I just thought that was interesting because it's kind of just the same thing that uh we saw Phil Collins doing um around the same time actually yeah Um, classic collins move (laughs) there you go exactly so uh tango in the night was a bomb success they got they sold uh over 15 million copies uh worldwide um and it was their most successful record since rumors so um it's a banger too i was just like uh i i actually haven't listened to the whole album all the way through and i put it on and i was like you know, Big Love's the first song. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember this jam. And then Seven Wonders comes on. I'm like, what's going on? I know mm-hmm. this song, too. And then Everywhere. And you're like, holy shit. Is every single yes. one of this sure. album, For like, sure. songs on this album a song I know? And then Caroline played. And I was like, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like a weird, again, and, and it's so funny because it's kind of like those wah, wah instances tend to be the ones that Lindsay's singing uh we don't have a lot of like christine mcbee bombs i know Um, but uh one thing it's funny you mentioned big love because that song um it seems normal enough until the last minute or so and the vocals just turn into like a sexy grunt exchange i don't care for that part i don't care for the any song where they're doing like a weird grunt thing like yo stacy spin that track (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) i I gotta hear them grunts (laughs) do you want i i don't know the grunts start like kind of halfway through yeah hold on let me pull let me get let me get us to the grunty part All those drums are so good. Like, this is good, right? You're like, yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Little banjo. I think it's just after the chorus. Oh, no, not here, not here. I like those sweet chimes, though. There it is. Yeah. 
This is the song I'm going to use to seduce Maddie. <laughs> oh my god. I was like, hey, Maddie. Uh, 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 uh. I don't like it. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable. I don't like it. I don't like yeah, it. I don't like that at all. That's exactly how I felt. I was quite uncomfortable as well. So. It's, it's like the last minute of the song. You're like, mm, I don't. Mm, yeah, it's like, why is that there? Yeah. Exactly. It's like the um, uncomfortable like rapper breakdown in a 90s like R&B jam. Or the part where Barry White levels with you. Oh, my goodness. Girl, look at him. He's the cutest brother in here. And he's coming this way. Ooh. Yes, and the B want to get with me. Cool, uh -huh. but I'm wicked. G yeah. hit skins, but never quickly. Right. I hit the skins for the hell of it. Just for the yell I get. Mm -mm -mm, for the smell of it. Smell you it. want my ball? Here's the hot rod. Hot yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> gonna break it down. <laughs> 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 So, so that one's weird. But other than that, I mean, for the most part, uh, there's some solid jams on this one. Um, as Stacy was saying, the seven song Seven Wonders. Great single. Uh, Stevie did lead vocals on that one. And then we have Everywhere, which was a Christine lead vocal song, which I, I enjoy a lot as That's well. It's the it best is. song. It's like you hear it in a dentist's office and you're so not even mad. And then the, I guess like the biggest single obviously from this one, which we're going to have to probably play a little bit from is the song Little Eyes, which topped out at number four on the Billboard charts. So damn good. It's oh good. my God. That intro, yeah. Yeah, man. It sounds like, this intro sounds like it's from 2021. Because that's what people are doing now. They're kind of like. Yeah, maybe. This kind of thing. Soothsayers. Is Christine McVie a wizard? Yeah. A time-traveling wizard? Yeah, she's a time-traveling wizard. <laughs> she kind of looks like Kim Kim Garden, eh? A little bit. Yeah. You yeah. think so? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I definitely think so. With like a mom haircut, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I just love her. Give me that chorus. Me too. Coming. Tell me, tell me, eyes. Oh my god, it's so good. That song it is. is so good. Yeah. That, again, that's another like driving around with my parents smoking in the car with the windows up. <laughs> totally. <song. laughs> totally. 100%. Except not the smoking with the windows up. Oh yeah, yeah. no car seat smoking with the windows up. 1987. <laughs> Alex would have been. Yeah. Yeah. Five. You're yeah. five, yeah. Yeah, five. Um, Your parents were current with the music. Oh, hell yeah. Andy and Mary. <laughs> yeah, Andy and Mary killing it. <laughs> so yep. yeah, Little Lies, um, definitely the biggest hit. Actually, in addition to the Billboard chart with the song going up to number four, it 
was a number one hit for four straight weeks on the U.S. adult contempo charts. Oh. They were capitalizing on all different markets here. Yeah. Um, yeah. With the with the little lie song, we saw uh, the band basically try some new methods of recording and production with this album, um, which actually caused the recording process to take a really long time. Um, apparently, it took about eighteen months. Oh my god! Start to finish, yeah, to put this album together. Um, oh shit! And because of that, Stevie Nicks <laughs> was really not into it. Um, uh she apparently of that 18 months spent a total of two weeks in the studio with the band um she was busy promoting her third solo album rock a little um throughout that period and her contributions to the Fleetwood Mac album um, were kind of minimal because of that the songs that she did the backing vocals for um for you know Christine or or Lindsay lead songs uh, apparently Lindsay <laughs> Lindsay thought they were just no good and <laughs> um Stevie was clearly under the influence while she recorded them so he took it upon himself to erase those tapes oh Jesus and what he did instead was he recorded additional vocals using his own voice <laughs> that he altered through <laughs> Fairlight sample synthesizer no nice <laughs> what a shitty dude yeah well, that's a shithead move man that's like a that's like a who else what other famous band did that oh god I don't just know. re-recorded the parts i it's oh fuck i can't remember it doesn't matter it's probably well, it probably happened you know more than once for sure yeah oh it happens um, all the time hey right? man i was i was entirely cut out of an album that i got kicked out of so yeah <laughs> brutal gonna... the album still was a huge success um, yeah, and the two of the two of the biggest hits on this album are Christine songs, right? Yeah, Which I exactly. always think she's kind of like the unsung hero of Fleetwood Mac. Like everyone's always like up on Stevie, but like, right. yeah, Christine Christine's voice is why Stevie's voice sounds like so good. You know, like the way they harmonize with one another—that's sure. sound, right? Yep. And I just, I just, yeah, I just always think that the songs that she sings on are like my faves. And they wouldn't be a band at all if it wasn't for Mick Fleetwood. Yeah, I mean, when I saw them live, Mick Fleetwood definitely did a 20-minute drum solo, and I was into it. <laughs> yeah, man, and he's so excited every time. Yeah. yeah. One thing I learned that we talked about a little bit last episode is that like he, he was like the glue of the band. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of um, you know chain, lineup changes, both on a strictly touring aspect and then on a studio album aspect which we'll we'll get into right about now actually so we'll see we'll see these patterns this period in time um lindsay apparently said this was the worst time personally and professionally for the band um and shortly after the album was released uh he left he uh -huh. departed uh, Fleetwood Mac for not the last time. Um, <laughs> so they, uh, they actually replaced him with two gentlemen, um, the first being Rick Vito, um, who played with Bob Seger in the 80s and then did a yeah. bunch of work with Bonnie Raitt in the 90s. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. As well as many other uh, artists. And fun fact about Rick Vito, he's from Delco, Philly <laughs> suburbs, Philadelphia, PA. What, what? Um, Whoa. I was really... like, you said that? And I'm like, eh. 
Delco, <laughs> Delaware County, Pennsylvania. Um, Fuck yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was going to do a Boston accent, and I was like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. It's weird because they should sound more similar than they do. Yeah. They're Baltimore. So close. Baltimore is the next best um, oh, yeah. accent to, to Philly. That would be like yeah. the closest. Isn't there weird things that people from Philly say? Like, like don't isn't it isn't it like a like a water or something like that? It's 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 water. So it's W O O D E R. There's water. There's phone and home and and things like that. Yeah. I don't know anything about people that talk strange. Yeah, say Fleetwood Mac for us. It's actually Fleetwood Mac. Oh no, you said it regular this time. Before you said it real East Coast like Fleetwood Mac. I don't know. Fleetwood Fleet. I don't know. I can't. Yeah, I'm a tiny shoe shine boy. Fleetwood Mac. Perfect. Uh, where are we? Were we talking we, about Bonnie Raitt? Yeah, <laughs> right. So, as apparently, apparently that is a trend. Actually, Lindsey Buckingham leaves the band, and then they replace him with two dudes instead of one. Um, yeah, because we'll again. He's, he's not. He's he's the power of two men. <laughs> right. Um, Lindsey Buckingham's. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One for guitar playing, one for erotic grunting on albums. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh. the other uh, <laughs> the other player that they got was a guy named Billy Burnett, who basically is mostly just a solo artist um, who had been active since 1972, um, but he had played on both of um, Christine and John McVie's solo albums in the 80s and 90s. So they recruited him to come in and replace uh, Lindsay for the Tango and the Night tour. Um, and then stayed with the band through the 90s. So um, that kind of concludes the Tango in the Night um, era of the band. Sweet. Which brings us to 1988. And here we go. Great, <laughs> greatest hits album. Due yes. We got another one. <laughs> due to the success of Tango, uh, they put out a greatest hits album, which actually went to number three. Uh, in the UK and number 14 in the US um, included two new songs um, that they wrote for the album, um, one written by Stevie called No Questions Asked and one written by Christine called As Long As You Follow, um, which was another number one hit on the US Adult Contempo charts. Whoa, so okay. there you go. Okay. Um, um, which then brings us to... April 9th, 1990, uh, Behind the Mask album is released. Um, this was definitely a different record for the band. They switched up producers, possibly because Lindsay wasn't part of this project. So their old pal um, who had you know, produced their other records uh, wasn't on board for this one. So they uh, recruited Greg... Ladani, I think is how you say it, who um, had previously worked mostly on Don Henley's solo albums to date. Well, I feel like, okay, do we have, we have a little bit more Fleetwood Mac to talk about, but is it worth talking about? Um, I mean, I definitely have notes. The The one thing that has to be mentioned is the dance because that was okay. their big comeback. So I'll breeze through the other pieces if that makes sense and then because sure. we, we needed yeah okay 
We're doing so, lightning round. <laughs> got it. All right. So 1990, Behind the Mask. Um, not a success. No big singles. Um, really nothing making any chart impact to speak of. Um, for some reason, they got an, a Grammy nomination for the cover art, which didn't feature any members of the band in the photograph, so it made absolutely no sense whatsoever. <laughs> um, the main note that I have here, other than the fact that the album received mixed reviews from critics and fans, was the only redeeming piece of this, I think, is Christine's vocals. Um, I think it's the only bit of the band that you can tell is really there still, um, yeah. and will identify it as, as Fleetwood. So. Then five years later in October, they released the album called Time, um, and we have another lineup change. So, um, right. So we see <laughs> Dave Mason from Traffic uh, is actually um, joining the band at this point, as well as oh. uh, Becca Bramlett, who is the daughter of Delaney and Bonnie, um, which is... That's that band that stole Clapton. Exactly. Yeah, from uh, what's <laughs> it called? the only reason why I know. Uh, it, was, uh... it was back in, I mean, I think it was like post-Derek and the Domino days. He basically found... Delaney and Bonnie and just crashed the band was like I'm joining you because I like you that much and yeah it was while he was on tour with uh that band that had the naked child in the cover oh uh, um oh Blind Faith rather Blind, Blind Faith, Faith yeah Blind yeah. Faith was on tour and Delaney and Bonnie were opening and he's just like no nah, I'm gonna go with that band now exactly. I'm Eric yeah. Clapton famous piece of shit exactly <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah so they had so we had um the female vocalist uh Becca Bramlett join um at that time as well uh because uh, Stevie was not featured on this album at all um she kind of just, you know, cut ties and didn't participate with um, this album. It was pretty much a commercial failure, as to be expected, only going up to number 47 on the charts. Um, Lindsay did come back to sing some backup vocals on one of the songs, so there wasn't bad blood between, you know, the core members of Fleetwood Mac necessarily, just, you know, going in different directions in terms of, you know, songwriting and that sort of thing at this time. Um, okay. They did a tour in 1994 to support the album before it came out, which was weird. Um, and this was around the time when Christine McVie um, had the whole fear of flying thing come about because she stopped touring for quite some time, um, oh. which is why I knew, Stacey, when you mentioned that you saw them, that I assumed that Christine wasn't there because I knew that she basically hasn't toured, to my understanding, since, like, I guess, late 80s. Oh, wow, um, okay. So that kind of, you know, took away from the band as well um, for that record. But, uh, yeah, there was nothing really to speak of. Um, some of the songs sound almost like a very, like, Oklahoma country sound, um, which is kind of like a little Americana, a little pop, a little rock. Um, there was kind of a heavy influence, I think. Um, you know, having members that are kids from the Lady and Bonnie, I think you're going to get a little bit of a twang in there. So, um, yeah, just some hokey songs. Um, there's one song in particular called I Do, which I have a note that says, it sounds like it could be a shitty TV theme song around the time of Who's the Boss of Growing Pains. So... <laughs> Spin that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta hear that. I do? Yeah. That sounds... Right up my alley. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Charles in charge of our days. Featuring Scott Bakula. <laughs> Yeah, like right now somebody's pulling like a cake out of the oven that's <laughs> oh, on didn't fire. Oh, there. <laughs> Falls on the floor, oh, hey. but it's okay. Oh, exactly. Oh, no, then the dog goes and licks it up, and then they all look <laughs> at the camera like, huh? <laughs> yeah, this is trash. Like, yeah. Straight trash. So I had to uh, to make a note about that one because I thought it was quite funny. But, uh, yeah, I mean, their signature song, again, or their signature sound, again, on this record, clinging to christine mcbee's voice for dear life otherwise you just wouldn't even know that it yeah. was fluid mac um so within a year this lineup uh just went away um mm -hmm. and christine mcbee 
because she had also already kind of retired from live performances, also left the band at this time as well. Um, and basically nothing great um, <laughs> at that time. Sweet. So um, Mick Fleetwood at this time, I should say also for the, the time record, um, the last song on the album is like seven minutes long and it features him. It's his only like vocal appearance on, I think, any album for the most part oh. and it's a spoken word so <laughs> no. i i would say it's them trying to do like a fleetwood mac new agey kind of thing oh boy i'm sorry not, not spin that shit no Stacey, i don't I need want, to hear I that don't want to hear it's, it's, I, I, you know i'm gonna put it in anyway uh, if not <sighs> pink floyd that's what i meant to say pink floydy sort Is of like that age. jabberwocky um song by ambrosia <laughs> what's it called skip ahead just a bit is it the strange times let me see strange times should be yeah yeah because it's seven minutes long yeah i just went (laughs) oh god it's got you got some real yawny stuff going on here there he is oh no (laughs) oh no this is like birth energy No! <laughs> oh, Mick! I'm opening every episode of this with that song. Be like, you know, classic Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, right? Exactly. Times. Seven oh, minutes long. I um, hate it. No. Yeah. I also love it. That's that's the end of that album. Um, and then we're going to go into 1997, which was a big deal for the band. Um, Ooh, 1997, right. we saw this big event of the dance so it it was recorded uh may 23rd of 97 and released um august 19th uh the album debuted at number one on billboard and was on the top 40 charts for seven months oh my god selling over six million copies and the tour that followed this uh grossed 36 million dollars holy shit what was the single um, it, it's it's a live album. It's so a it's live album. Hits live album exactly because wow. we saw it was basically a big reunion event that obviously not only Warner Brothers Records but MTV just probably saw dollar signs in yeah. their eyes because yeah. nice. they were like, okay, well the band with all the core members wants to get back together. We're gonna ha- you know put all the fanfare out there to capitalize on that. So it really did give them a big reunion and comeback. Greasy. Um, yeah. Yes. That's a greasy move. I like that. Was this like, okay, wait, like, I feel like this whole like classic rock band getting back together to do a greatest hits live album. It was mm-hmm. like such a nineties thing, you know, like, yes. like the, the Eagles one, you know? Yeah. But it's still happening now. I guess so. Right. Bands touring classic albums. Yeah, that's true. That's All true. the time. Or like yeah. even bands that just, they like create, recreate classic albums and they're not that band. Yeah, but nobody wants to hear fucking birth energy. They want to hear, you know. <laughs> Is that true? Does no one want to hear birth energy? They want to, they want to hear Footloose and I'm all right. Or like in this case, like nobody wants to hear strange times. They want right. to hear fucking, I want to be with you everywhere. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, and that that was exactly it, you know, because it was kind of that dual purpose. Um, it's a, you know, live performance that, you know, was released on MTV kind of on the back of the whole Unplugged 
thing, um, which was obviously a huge success for MTV for many years at this point. Um, And then they went ahead and did this, you know, televised events and special. um, And then basically it was, yeah, kind of like a greatest hit showcase. And in the U.S., they actually released a few singles, probably most notably at this point was Landslide. Um, that right. live, the live one. Landslide track uh, was all over the radio that year, no. for sure. Not the Billy Corgan version? I do have uh, a bit Can about that. Can you hear my eyes rolling? <laughs> yeah. So I assumed that the Smashing Pumpkins recorded that after the dance came out in 1997. However, that Smashing Pumpkins cover was released as a B-side to the Disarm single, which right. was released which in 1994. <gasps> so... Y'all got Corgan. Please right. <laughs> um, and then they didn't actually put out another album until 2003. Um, it's an album called Say You Will. Um, yeah. Christine McVie was not officially featured on this album. Um, she, um, Lindsay Buckingham was back in the band at this point because they, you know, reunited the, you know, quintessential uh, Fleetwood Mac lineup prior to this. So he actually went ahead and took over um, lead keyboards for this album. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Stevie Nicks had like some additional keyboards that she added as well. Um, this album again consisted mostly of songs that Lindsay wrote that he intended to put on a solo album, but Warner Brothers apparently contacted him and said, Hey man, we need to put a, a Fleetwood Mac album out. What songs have you written for yourself these days? And 2003 needs the Mac. That's exactly what <laughs> happened. Of the, the Mac. Mac. <laughs> Can you do that one more time? Turn oh the my Mac. God! <laughs> yeah. um, Perfect. So the rest, the rest from here on out is basically them just being like, and another live album, and another greatest right. hits, and another live album, and right. here's another greatest hits. Cheryl and Crow's all... back. <laughs> yeah. Compilations of songs from, you know, that very, very early version of the band um, yeah. that just, you know, hadn't been really, it's not like they were playing those songs live at all. Yeah, um, just the songs from like the 60s and stuff. Yeah. Just, just yeah. no good. Yeah. Right. And then. Was there uh, anything notable? Um, not really. I mean, the only other <laughs> thing that I have here is that they they did uh, another live uh, album called In Concert. Great. Okay. I uh, yeah, cool. Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Uh, cool. That's Fleetwood Mac. Return of the Mac. The the worst era. No, maybe not even the worst era of Fleetwood. No, Mac. No, I would disagree you with have... you. Two solid, just solid gold yeah. freaking albums yeah. with Mirage and Tango. I don't think I could like you know everyone's always like like hard into like rumors, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I'm I've always been more of a Tusk woman myself to be honest. That's how I describe you. Yeah, I'm a Tusk woman, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but but I think there's a bunch of songs on Tango that I couldn't live without. It's true. 
Oh, absolutely, yeah. And Mirage, for sure, too. Mm -hmm. Mirage is fantastic. Hold me. It's just all about hold me. That fucking cowbell, man. (laughs) Tink, 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 tink. Yeah, and then it, it meshes with the, with the little 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 itty bitty baby banjo in there too. It's very yeah, nice. Yeah. Very nice. Itty banjo. Itty bitty baby banjo is what we're gonna end this episode on. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Itty bitty baby banjo. Bye. See you in season two. God is nowhere. God is nowhere. And this is hell being caught. <laughs>